Hello, everyone, and welcome to Meetups with Mediators, a podcast brought to you by the Columbus Bar Association. I'm your host, Veronica Cravener. This is a podcast for both mediators and attorneys who represent clients at mediation. The goal is to provide takeaways to help you make your next mediation your best mediation. Today's topic is caucus. So if you've been in a mediation, then chances are you've experienced a caucus. Simply put, when a mediator calls for a caucus, a mediator separates one side from the other and has a private conversation with each side. A caucus may be used for many reasons, but a few examples are to give parties and their attorneys time to regroup, to cool off, and to evaluate settlement offers. So why do we care about caucus? Well, if mediation is an opportunity for parties to share information and proposals in an effort for parties to decide whether settlement is possible, then a caucus is something that not only impacts the flow of information because parties are separated, but also removes control from the parties and gives control to the mediator over how that information is communicated. Today's guest is mediator and attorney Dave Cohen. Dave mediates eviction cases at the Franklin County Municipal Court and also serves as a mediator for Settlement Week at the Southern District of Ohio. So, needless to say, He's had a front row seat to the benefits and challenges of caucusing, and he's here today to share his perspective. So with that, Dave, welcome to Meetups with Mediators, and thanks for being here today. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, I think these podcasts are doing a great service to the mediators and litigators that are out there, and I appreciate you doing this. Well, I appreciate your appreciation. (laughs) So can you tell us, how did you get your start in mediation? So in the 80s, I was working in Lancaster uh, for a corporation, and the Common Pleas Court decided they would give a try at having a settlement week. As for attorney volunteers, I was perfect for that because I knew none of the local attorneys. I was called uh, after a little training to do that. It worked out pretty well, but then a couple weeks later, one of the attorneys in the case stopped me on the street and thanked me very much for doing that and told me about how the case settled a couple of weeks after that and it would not have settled but for the mediation. So that gave me a lot of good vibes to keep going. And then uh, when they had the foreclosure crisis about 10 years ago, the Attorney General of the State of Ohio asked for attorneys to volunteer and help individuals involved in foreclosures. Uh, my employer, American Electric Power, made a mediation program available to its in-house attorneys I took that, did some foreclosure work, found that very satisfying. Then in 2010, I retired and thought, I need to do something here. And I thought, yeah, mediation sounds like a good fit. So I started doing mediation work. So it sounds like mediation has really become a a calling for you, and it sounds like it's something that you've really developed over many, many years. Yeah, I really enjoy doing mediation for a number of reasons. and. Uh, I, I feel like I'm suited to be a mediator more so than a litigator. Well, great. Well, I'm so thrilled that you're here today to talk about the use of a caucus in mediation. And I know that you have mediated a variety of types of disputes. And I imagine a variety of disputes where you've used joint session in some, caucus in others, and a mix of both. And so um, I'm curious to hear from your perspective. Can you tell us you know, what are the benefits and challenges of using a caucus? Well, 
as you suggested, there are benefits and there are challenges. And there are pluses and minuses of caucuses. Uh, my general preference is to not caucus, but often that doesn't work. Uh, so some of the benefits of caucusing are, particularly when parties are hostile, sometimes parties have been having this dispute languishing for months, and they're beyond talking to each other. So sometimes it just gets better when you can talk to the parties separately and kind of explain to them what the purpose is of a mediation. You know, that you're trying to work on something and try to get a settlement and being hostile to the other party is doing just the opposite of what you want to do. So you need to focus on how to get this matter resolved, not on what happened previously. Also, in caucuses, parties can be more open. So they may not want to say something in front of the other party, but they will say it to you in private. And you can work with them on proposals and maybe how to structure what they want to do in private, but you can't do that when the parties are together. Also, it's an opportunity for the mediator to explain the process. So uh, sometimes one party will, for example, they'll have a dispute involving $10,000 and the first offer is $40. They're ready to walk out of the room. So you caucus, you talk to the party, you explain to them, this is the start of the negotiations. Don't get too excited about what's happened so far. Hang in there and we'll work on this. Okay. So it sounds like in terms of benefits from what you've seen, particularly when parties get emotional, there are situations where communications and the message are probably better off being controlled by the mediator, where the mediator can um, you know, use techniques like reframing and, and the mediator can slow things down by having parties in a caucus. Uh, but at the same time, there are some challenges, it sounds like. So one of the big things a mediator wants to do is have the parties trust them. And when you go into caucus, you're talking to parties separately from the other party, which, you know, I'm never in the other room where the other party's talking, so I really don't know exactly what's happening in there. But hopefully at the time I'm caucusing with the other party, I've already built up some trust with the, with the first party. And they'll understand that I'm not there trying to plot against them. So that is a challenge in caucusing. Have you ever had folks trying to uh, grill you once you've come back from caucus with one side? You know, well, tell me, what did you tell them? Or, or what are they saying in there about me? Have you, I, have you encountered report, that sort of situation? I'm pleased to report that's never happened. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking, but that's never happened. I've never been challenged in that way. Um, you know, for that reason, I do not like caucusing initially. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm finding some attorneys are kind of insisting on that. And if they insist on that, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever they want to. But I like to go into the mediation for a while so each party feels somewhat comfortable with me before I start doing a caucus. Okay. So it sounds like you prefer to start at joint session so that parties can get comfortable with you and I imagine get a sense of what the other party is going to be like. And then after a certain period of time, assess whether you need to use a caucus. And so your hope is by then – uh, if you use caucus after joint session, that you've already had the chance to build that rapport so that when you do use the caucus, you still have built that trust and parties are not skeptical of what you're saying when you're not in the room with them. Yeah, that's exactly correct. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's, I think you need to talk to the parties jointly if you possibly can so the parties understand where you're coming from. And, you know, also, 
at the joint session, explain what the rules are, and so they can feel comfortable with the process. And they know that I'm out there to work with the parties to try to reach a good, reasonable solution. Okay. So how do you, and I'm thinking just back to my own mediations, kind of challenges that I face when I use the caucus as well. And one challenge that I have at times is how do you keep the other party engaged while you're in the room with someone else for like, say, 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes? How do you keep the other party who's just sitting there waiting engaged? Like, do you give them homework? Uh, do you ask them, you know, hey, do you want to go down and feed the meter? Do you want to take a snack break? Like, how do you still keep them invested in the process when you're with the other side? Well, so the, uh, as I mentioned, I don't like starting out with caucuses. So at the time uh, a caucus is being called, first of all, I think the other party will kind of understand what's going on. I mean, if they see the other party's hostile, They'll probably read into that. Yeah, he's going in there to try to calm them down. Um, but also, at that point in the, in the proceedings, I think the party will understand that there's something out there on the table. And I'm going to be going out to the other party and talking about that offer. And I'm going to be coming back to them with a counteroffer. So they need to think about where they want this proceeding to go and what they want to do. Um, sometimes I'll tell them that privately. Uh, sometimes I'll just understand that they understand that, that that's what's going on. And they need to, they need to, they know I'm going to come back with some sort of a counter proposal and they're going to need to figure out where they're going to go. Uh, I think generally in a parties and in a mediation, they kind of have a roadmap in front of them as to where they want to end up, where they're going to start and where they're going to go in between. And, you know, they need to regroup and do that as they get counter offers. So they need to regroup, but at the same time, they need to have some sort of a general plan. Okay. So it sounds like at the point where you're using a caucus, you've already set up that general roadmap. Uh, and it's probably at the point where maybe there's already been an offer to put on the table. Maybe the other side has reacted emotionally. So at the point where you're talking to one side, um, you don't have any concerns that they're going to lose interest in the process because they'll already know, well, hey, Dave's in the room with the other side, you know, trying to, um, help them calm down a little bit, think through things, and I'm going to sit tight in this room and patiently, you know, wait until he comes back because I know he's trying to keep the process moving forward, keep it productive, and he's only going to take the the time that he needs with them and and not leave me hanging, basically. Yeah, that's right. Uh, now, also, depending on the case, I may ask him to think about what other than money they can offer to help settle this case. Uh, sometimes there's something that's more valuable to one party than the other party that maybe can be offered, maybe some future work if the parties trust each other for that to be done uh, or whatever. But that's up to the parties to try to be creative a little bit. And, and mediation provides the opportunity, to, uh, excuse me, the opportunity to do that. Uh, when you're in front of a judge, I mean, the judge makes a decision and that's it. Here the parties have an opportunity to craft their own solution. Okay. So it sounds like at times, too, if it's necessary, uh, you might try to help that party that you're not speaking to while you're in caucus with the other, maybe make the best use of that downtime by starting to brainstorm other options that might be workable for them. Right. Yes. And, of course, the other party as well, because like you mentioned, you know, mediation is all about um, you know, parties trying to reach resolution on terms that work for both sides. And that's the only way they reach that resolution is if it works for both sides. Absolutely. One of the benefits of mediation. 
So how do you decide, just from the mediator's point of view, I'm curious, how do you decide who to caucus with first? Well, if it's a matter in which one party has already made an offer and they've not gotten a response, I'll probably start with a party that needs to respond and explain to them again a little bit about the process. You know, I, I, I may even tell them, you know, don't come forward with your best offer right now. It's a little early in the proceeding. Uh, think about where you want to go and think about what you want to offer. And, you know, we can talk about that. Um, it also, obviously, if one party is very hostile and the other party isn't, I don't want things to get out of hand. So I will talk to the party that's hostile first, try to calm them down, try to get them to not be their own worst enemy. Okay, so Dave, I'm also curious to hear from from the mediator's perspective. Do you ever do what I will phrase as uh, non-traditional caucuses? So what I mean by that is if parties are represented, do you ever caucus with just the attorneys? Or if they are unrepresented, do you ever caucus with just support people? Those sorts of caucuses. Do you ever use that? Yes. Um, most of the time when I do that, it's with attorneys. Okay. And the reason is the attorneys are not as emotionally involved in the case as the clients. So the clients may be very hostile, but hopefully the attorneys are seeing, yeah, this is not a good case to go to trial. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. And the parties need to get it resolved. So if I can talk to, and I talk to, like you said, caucus separately. So I'll talk to one attorney and particularly it was fairly late in the mediation proceeding when this has gone on for three hours or whatever, and there's not much progress being done. The attorney's getting a little fed up. The clients are getting a little fed up. If I talk to an attorney separately, the attorney may say, you know, I think I can probably get my client to agree to this. And then I will go caucus to the other attorney and ask him the same questions and the other attorney may say, yeah, you know, I think maybe within this range, I think I can might get my client to agree. So, of course, then that's a signal to me that there is a solution here somewhere. And we just got to work on how to get it there. Uh, so in those cases, yes, caucusing with the attorneys are, can be very helpful. Now, I think there are also times um, when the attorneys feel like they have to put on a show for their client. They need to show their client that they are strong and that they're not going to sell their client out. So when I'm talking and listening to the attorney in the mediation, I may get a different tone from that attorney than if I talk to them in a caucus. On that note, do you feel like playing a little game? Sure. Okay. I'm always up for a game. <laughs> so I have, uh, I believe this is a little play on Shakespeare. Is it Shakespeare who said to be or not to be? Am I, am I getting my high school English class correct? Hopefully. So a play on that, I have entitled our game to caucus or not to caucus. So I'm going to give you three hypotheticals. And then at the end of each one, I will ask you to caucus or not to caucus. So are you ready? Sure. Okay. All right. So hypothetical number one, one party is pro se, the other party is represented. The pro se party says that they've never been to mediation before and they are a bit nervous to caucus or not to caucus. Well, I'm not going to start out with a caucus. I'm going to start out with the parties jointly. And even though the one party may have been in a mediation before, I don't know what that mediation was like 
I don't know how that mediation presented, uh, what a mediation is all about. And maybe the attorney's experienced in the mediation, but maybe the client is not. So I'd like to do this jointly. And I set out some initial ground rules. You know, I want one party to speak at a time. I don't want the party interrupting each other. Some basic stuff. But one of the things I always say, of course, is I make no decisions. And this is completely voluntary. So the pro se party knows that if it gets aggravating, the pro se party can walk away or even talk to me separately. And I'm not going to be the one that's going to be deciding the future or the fate of this case. He's going to be doing that with the other party. I also tell him that the case is confidential. The mediation is confidential. So whatever they tell me, I'm not going to be telling to another party. And by the way, in a caucus, I also emphasize that. If they tell me something in a caucus and they want it to be confidential, I'm not going to share that with the other party. Okay, so it sounds like with that first hypothetical, even though one side may have not been to mediation before, you're going to start in joint session because you want to use that as an opportunity to give everyone the same introduction, give everyone the same ground rules, and I imagine also kind of lay the groundwork for, you know, the roadmap that you mentioned earlier in terms of what to expect at mediation, give the pro se party an opportunity to um, interact directly with the represented party and, and perhaps the client too, if they're there. Yes. I want the parties to feel comfortable with the process. Okay. Uh, also, to the extent I can encourage it, I would like the clients to speak more than the attorneys. Okay. I know that makes attorneys sometimes feel uncomfortable, but that's what mediation is all about, and that's what litigation does not do. Okay. So hypothetical number two. So now let's say this time both parties are unrepresented. Uh, you're in the mediation. They are loud and animated but making progress. To caucus or not to caucus? Well, that is a true hypothetical. Uh, I've done more than 500 mediations. I've never had that happen. <laughs> um, but assuming it would happen, my theory is as long as the parties are making progress, I'm not going to interrupt them. Okay. Whatever works for them, I am fine with. Okay. Uh, I can handle the rest of it. So it sounds like, you know, you're not looking for a mediation where everyone is talking in this calm tone of voice that if things get animated, so be it. As long as parties are productive and moving forward, you would see no reason to caucus at that point. Well, I am looking forward for the parties to being calm, but that <laughs> generally does not happen. Uh, you know, people bring a lot of emotions into a mediation. And I guess something else to think about is um, everyone communicates differently, right? So um, for some people, the way that they're making progress is by being louder and animated and more emotional. But hey, as long as it's working for them, who's the mediator to step in and try to separate the parties and, and, and break that chain of communication, right? Absolutely. And so I don't get the opportunity to do this in eviction court. But when I do it for settlement week, I talk to the parties ahead of time or the attorneys ahead of time. And I ask the attorneys who's going to be present at the mediation. And I ask them something about the, the people that are going to be present because I kind of want to have a feel for is this person loud and animated or is this person quiet? And then if, if I get the feedback that this person is loud and animated and aggravated and all that, then I will talk to the attorney for the other side and tell them, you know, you need to expect this and your client needs to expect this and just be calm and we'll get through this. So hypo number three. Now this time, both parties are represented. Proposals have been exchanged. The mediation is about an hour in. 
to caucus or not to caucus? Well, again, as long as the parties are making progress and they're comfortable being with each other, that's better. I prefer to have the parties talking to each other than not talking to each other. Now, if we get to the point where it's a stalemate, where, and this happens often, you know, one party says, I want $1,000, the other party says $500, and you've gone at this, and this is a raw for after, you know, one hour, two hours into it, and they're not moving, then yes, I will caucus to the parties individually, and, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about what they face if they don't settle today. You know, do you, is, you know, if you're, for example, $500 apart, do you want to leave the day $500 apart and face the cost of litigation and paying your attorney more and spending more sleepless nights? Or you want to just try to split it at 250 apiece and just go away? Okay. So it sounds like the, the way that you really view caucus is more as like, like a tool of last resort. Like your, your preference as the mediator, uh, is really to have the parties in joint session. And if you remember at the beginning, I talked about how caucus is really something that um, sort of breaks the flow of information and removes the control of how information is communicated from the parties to the mediator. And so it sounds like the way that, that you mediate is you really want to help empower the parties to keep that control as long as it makes sense, like have them be in the driver's seat in terms of what information is communicated, how it's communicated. And you view talk, caucus more as like that tool of last resort that, hey, if it gets to the point where parties are no longer productive, being in the same room, uh, maybe they're getting emotional or they're, or they're just reaching the point of fatigue and maybe need some time to sort of regroup or consult with counsel, then separate and caucus. But otherwise, you have a preference of, of joint session as much as possible. Yes, I think that's true. Okay. I guess the only other exception I'd make would be if I felt that one party was going to agree something that's strongly against their interests. I don't want a party to feel taken advantage of in a mediation. So, um, and that, that's a, that'd be a touchy situation. But I may want to call a caucus and make sure that the parties understand what the agreement is that they're working their way towards and make sure that they are okay with that. Okay. So it sounds like also another way you're using it is um, to just test the workability of an agreement. I mean, still yes. maintaining your neutrality, but if if you've got concerns that somebody's maybe uh, agreeing to something that they can't really follow through on, or maybe they're agreeing to something that contradicts some statements they've made earlier, that you'll also use it as a way to reality test. Yes. So. Uh as I often think, or maybe sometimes even say, you know, I want the parties to walk away from this mediation if we reach an agreement to be best case scenario, win-win, both parties be happy, but if not, then maybe equally unhappy. <laughs> All right. Well, so Dave, I know that I've had you provide your um, gut reactions to three different hypotheticals where you would have to decide to caucus or not to caucus. But now I'm curious, can you share any sort of you know, real-life situation, mediation story, where you as the mediator had to actually answer that question, do I caucus or not? And, um, you know, again, I'm sure, please feel free to, to edit and edit out any sort of confidential information, but is there anything that, that you can share just sort of generically? 
So one of the stories I think about often when I'm doing my mediation concerns a landlord-tenant dispute, and the tenant was being evicted. Uh, the tenant was behind in the rent, but the main problem was that the tenant had gotten drunk and was yelling in the parking lot of the apartment complex and disturbing a lot of neighbors. And the landlord just said, I can't tolerate that behavior. And her response was, no, that wasn't me. I don't drink. I don't know what you're talking about. And we went on for probably an hour, and the story was not changing. So I thought, well, I'll meet with the party separately and see if maybe we can get by this impasse. Uh, And I talked to the landlord for a while, and then I talked to the tenant. And after talking to the tenant for maybe 10 minutes or so, the tenant said, "Um, can I speak to the landlord? And I knew they hadn't been making any progress, but I wasn't really making a lot of progress in the caucus anyhow. And, of course, that's her right. So I said, yeah, sure. And so we went back at the room, and uh, she said that uh, that was her, that she was an alcoholic, that she'd gone through AA, that she's never going to do that again, that she apologized. And the landlord, who was owed, I think, roughly $2,500, said, okay, just pay me back your rent plus an additional $50 a month. So uh, that always reminds me of my limitation as a mediator, that parties can sometimes make a lot more progress than I can ever make advocating their position. And for that matter, it's not even my job to advocate their position, but it is my job to give them an opportunity to speak. And uh, so I was just, that just reminds me that, you know, um, sometimes the person I'm dealing with can better represent themselves than I certainly can. And that sounds like it was a a very powerful moment. And um, I agree with you. It reminds us, you know, as mediators that, that, you know, as we're thinking about whether or not to use caucus to be mindful, and there's certain situations where, I mean, no one can tell his or her own story the way that the individual can. And so it sounds like in that situation, you tried caucus and it wasn't working and you went back to joint session and, and, it was when you went back to joint session that that's what made the difference because the party was able to communicate the message the way that they wanted to, and that is what had the impact. Absolutely. And so one of the great things about mediation, by the way, is that the individual who is the party gets to say that rather than the attorney representing them. Hmm. Well, that's definitely left us uh, some food for thought. So thank you for sharing that story. Sure. So on that note, can you share a a fun fact about yourself? Well, uh, I don't know how much fun this is, but uh, when I was in law school, I spent a summer in D.C. working as a Nader's Raider. And so that was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. And I'm not familiar. What was that? You're too young. (laughs) You're too young. So uh, Ralph Nader was a self-described consumer crusader. And... Uh, fighting the establishment, to which I am now a member. Uh, so he had law students who will work on various projects in consumer interest. So I spent the summer living on Capitol Hill, riding around my bicycle, interviewing government officials, talking to them about some of the things that were going on um, that, that Ralph Nader had some interest in. Um, so, for example... Now, when you go to the grocery store and you look on the shelves, you see a unit price. Well, back then, that wasn't being done, and that was one of the things that we were looking into. Would unit pricing be a good thing? Or date coding? Date coding wasn't that common. 
So anyhow, so um, and Ralph Nader is famous for writing this book, Unsafe at Any Speed, doing with a Chevy uh, Corvair. Well, that sounds like great fun. Well, Dave, hey, if people want to c- continue the conversation with you, how can they connect with you? Well, uh, they can go to, uh, they can connect my email. is David Cohen Mediation at gmail.com. Okay, great, great. Well, hey, Dave, this was so much fun having you on today. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Well, again, I really appreciate the invitation. I had a great time as well. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of Meetups with Mediators. Let's make your next mediation your best mediation. Talk to you next time. 